0: Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is the 68th uh, episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, join up for a premium membership and you get all of my NHL and Bruins writing sent straight directly to your inbox. You can also read my stuff at bostonsportsjournal.com. I file a column after every single game. Uh, the columns have been firing brimstone a lot lately with what's going on with the Bruins. Today we have uh, Boston.com's Connor Ryan with us. Connor, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: No problem. And let's get our, uh, our FanDuel uh, Sportsbook love uh, out of the way really quickly. Let's thank our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, the hoop season is going on right now, so get your buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Uh, right now, new customers get $100, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins bet on all your favorite nba players and teams quick bets live same game parlays exclusive props download the app super easy to use and you can just get on it and go uh so visit fanduel.com slash boston and shoot your shot all right um six straight ot game connor seventh loss in nine games third straight loss three three and five records since the nhl all-star break i mean what You know, and I remember saying this a couple weeks ago coming out of the break, like this is the time of year where you're going to see the team go up and down the roller coaster, they're going to lose a bunch in a row, they're going to win a bunch in a row, and and I take less from like the preponderance of losses and like the results lately, the one loss results, I take more from the way they're losing and the patterns that we see recurring and what we've seen out of this team consistently this year when they're pushed really hard and when they're a little tired and when the team other team raises up the intensity like all of that stuff I think what we see is a team that sometimes lacks the details lacks the toughness lacks whatever you want to call it uh, several things composure sometimes too and certainly execution in the third period when everything's on the line and the intensity goes up to a sort of a quasi playoff level I think you see some things starting to happen consistently with this team that say to you, this is probably what you're going to see out of this team come playoff time. And these are going to be some of the things when things go wrong that are going to unravel for this team.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I talked to Evan about this uh, a few, few days ago. It's like the the Bruins this year are kind of like a Fast and Furious movie or like a Law and Order episode where maybe like a Law, maybe, a law and Order maybe, episode maybe or like, like some, some of the plot details change a little bit, but they all yeah. end the same friggin' way, right? Like yeah. when you look at these critical situations they're in, it's the same script we've been seeing since October, right? Like you, you're seeing the same miscues. You're seeing the team struggle to get out of their own zone. You're seeing uh, this team really struggle against, for checking pressure seeing passes go out into no man's land you're seeing critical d zone face offs lost yep. and what do you know you're, you're seeing a lot of these third period leads dissipate and i think uh you hit the nail on the head joe like it's one thing to kind of trudge through the the dog days the regular season go through a few tough breaks here and there but when this has been a trend that's been the case all season long if you're not correcting them now Sooner or later, one of these is going to lead to a backbreaking result in April, you know, if you get to that, right? Like, this is still a Bruins team that had a fantastic season and it all went to hell in short order off of not protecting a one goal lead in the third period with a pulled goalie. Like, what what gives you any confidence the way this team is playing in these critical situations in October through February that makes you think they're going to all of a sudden correct them and win those D-zone draws, get the puck out, not try to do too much, play simple uh, hockey when it really matters in in April. Like, I kind of believe it when I see it, just the way they're playing right now.
0: Yeah, there's no reason to believe it's going to change magically or anything's going to be different. And honestly, for me, it's hard to even believe that if they add at the deadline, it's going to radically change either because this team, the bones of this team, I think, are what they are. The DNA of this team is not going to radically change with a player or two that you bring in at, at the trade deadline. Certainly a guy like Noah Hannafin would help quite a bit. There's no question, you know, bringing in a guy um, that could win face, a, a big D zone face off, um, you know, some kind of face off specialist, some kind of center that would, is an upgrade over the, the other players you have um, in D- big moments in the D zone and the O zone, whatever, like th- that stuff would help a little bit, uh, but you still need to execute after you win the face off. Like I, how many times have we seen them win the face off? the D can't get the puck out of the zone. It stays in. And like, right. this is what we saw last year in the Florida Panthers series. A lot yeah. of the stuff that we're seeing now is, is very similar to what we saw against the Florida Panthers last April. So I, I find it hard to believe it's going to change significantly, especially if you t- play a team like that in the postseason. that their strengths aren't going to change. They're going to play the exact same way against you. Uh, and I think you're going to react similarly because you have a lot of the same players. It, it just makes sense. But, um, so let's go through a couple of them. And I, one I would add also is, is Linus Allmark last night, that play where he tried to throw it up the middle of the ice and it hit Eberly, and Eberly it just drops to his skates and he scores an easy goal. That reminded me so much of Linus Omark in the playoffs last year, where he was mm-hmm. trying to do too much, where he was doing these crazy things, taking himself out of position, allowing the other team to score easy goals against him by mistakes that he was making that that really concerned me and to, to see him make that kind of play in a game like that. So similar to some of the stuff that he did against the Panthers last year, it, it reminded you that he has such a bad track record in the postseason. season um, that I continue to be one of those people. And I heard, I've heard, I think Ty was talking about, he really wants to see um, the goalie rotation, at least once um, for the Bruins to have that in the playoffs, to at least try it once Since they do it in the regular season, I've seen enough of all I really don't want to see him in the playoffs until Swayman has a chance and has a shot to, to play a few games in a row to see what he can do. And then if you have to go, you know, playoff rotation and go through those guys at some point, maybe you do it. But like, I still think Swayman, I think Swayman has been clearly the better goalie of the two this year. Even mm-hmm. some of these games that they've lost in overtime and the shootout, I think he's one of the sole reasons they've gotten the point and they've gotten there. You know, some of the games, the save totals haven't been great, but I think he's battled. Like Grant yeah. Fuhr style with the Edmonton Oilers back in the day where the stats weren't good, but he ended up winning because he made a few saves down the stretch at key moments to get them in games. Like maybe he was shaky and he gave up some rebounds. I think, what was it, against Edmonton? He gave yeah. up some rebounds in the yeah, third period. Yeah, But then he was money in overtime. You know, like – he, he I I think he deserves a chance to run with it. And that was another warning sign that I saw last night with Lena Selmar, but that's a tangent and sort of um, whatever we can, we can, we can throw that one back and forth a little bit later, but um, the, the face-offs Zaka lost a couple of bad ones, not last night, but previously uh, that led uh, to the Canucks getting back in that game and, and winning it. Um, Charlie Coyle is really the only one that's semi-dependable in the faceoff circle. Uh, guys like um guys like Trent Frederick, guys like Morgan Geeky, um struggling in the faceoff circle big time, low 40s uh it's you know, that is a huge issue. and, and a big part of what's going on with them not being able to protect leads and, and giving up goals in um situations where the goalies are pulled it, it's a small detail, but it's a huge detail. And that is the kind of thing that is absolutely going to kill them in the playoffs if they can't find a center um, that's going to be able to win some big draws for them. Now, is the answer to trade for somebody that is a face-off specialist or somebody that could potentially you know, fit into your bottom six and also win draws that you put out there in those situations? Is, this, is it a situation where maybe Johnny Beecher is called for because he was so good on the face-offs and he's really the only one I've seen organizationally that at least has shown the ability to win big draws or or, or could do it? Um, do they even want to do that based on what they've seen out of all the other players that have outplayed him in every, every other situation, right. you know, Jesper Boquist, I think looks like a solid guy. He's another guy that has struggled mightily though, in the faceoff circle. Like um, what do you think the solution is? What, what is your read on this? And you know, what can they do honestly, because that that's going to hurt them in the playoffs. It'll be their undoing in the playoffs. If they don't find somebody that can win faceoffs in big moments.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, right. You look at, Uh, you know, moving on from Patrice Bergeron and and David Krejci. It's like, all right, you look at like Coyle's on pace for a 30-goal season. Like the production has been there. It's it's helped out a little bit, but um, the face-offs has been killing them. That's one thing that I think everyone knew it was going to take a little bit of a step back, but I think you're seeing when you you miss, you know, the the best defensive center of all time, you take him off the roster, you miss a guy like that where it's almost – taken for granted how you can win those critical you know d zone draws especially in crunch time yep. you're seeing a trend that i don't think people expected them to you know lose what is it eight games now since uh leading up to two periods i think is what it is they're 25 one and eight but yep. it, it absolutely has to be something that's corrected but as you said other, other than calling up like johnny beecher it's like what exactly are you looking for because i think you know we've mentioned before like trade targets on the fourth line and i think we've mentioned more you know Guys on the wing that are a little bit more physical, like a Brendan Duhame or someone that maybe is more of a tone setter. If you're looking at more of like a face off specialist, are you looking at Thomas Nosek, you know, who's kind of like, uh, definitely not? Yeah, yeah, he's not (laughs) like a tone setter. He's a great face off guy, but he helps you there. Like maybe Nick Dowd, for uh, who's I believe on Washington still, good face off guy, but he might be worth more than just like a a lower level pick. He's a, a fourth line guy that wins faceoffs, can give you, you know, 10, 15 goals a year. Like he's a pretty good fourth line guy that we have to pay more of a premium for him. So yep. um there are options out there, but again, when you look at just how many potential holes this team might have to address, if they are trying to be really aggressive, the deadline, it's one more thing you get add on there. Like you can't just like find, there's not a perfect physical straight line, you know, four checking centerman that also wins draws that I can really think of, right. You have to kind of, pick and choose if you want to really change how that fourth line is but no it's absolutely something that whether it's internally or or guys on the roster have to correct it um it's going to come back to bite them at the worst possible time if they don't if they keep on going as they are right now
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, as you said, there's been uh, plenty of illustrations. I think the Vancouver one was really like a black and white one where they Zaka lost a bunch of draws that directly led to goals and it was really problematic. Like you begin to wonder if he's better off just playing the wing and trying to find somebody that can be, um, you know, a top six center uh, that you do need to bring in. Uh, Even though I've thought for a long time, maybe they shouldn't go in that direction, you know, maybe they should and they should just put Zaka on the wing and, and decide he's a wing because he, if you're going to be a top six center in the NHL, you can't consistently get smoked by um, Elias Patterson and JT Miller in a game like mm. that um, on huge D zone draws like Charlie Coyle that won in, uh, the four on three in overtime after they got the too many men on the ice. Uh, he won that draw essentially. Yes, it went down into Vancouver's end, but it went way down the other end of the Boy. ice like they had plenty of chance to set up, get ready. And you know, he, I gave him a win on that draw uh, because he got way out of the zone and, and Demko had to play it down at the other end of the ice. So like Coyle's the one guy I look at and say, at least once in a while, he's going to be able to do it for you. And he, but you can't throw him out there every single time. You need another center that can at least battle and win some of those uh, draws against players like Miller Patterson or whoever you're going to face in the playoffs that are experienced centermen.
2: Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book because right now new customers get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit fanduel.com/boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSensema.com or call 1-800- G a M one, two, three, four.
0: Other things, uh, the too many men in the ice penalties, um, you know, it, it's, it, you notice it lately. Cause there's been a couple of them, but I, they are approaching double digits. I have not been Insane. able to find a site Insane. anywhere where I can track exactly how many, too many men in the ice penalties they've accrued this season, but it's close to 10. Yeah. They've definitely got six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. Because they had a few towards the beginning of the year. They've had a couple that they've had on power plays that have wiped up power plays. They have the ones lately, the one in overtime and then the one uh, when they're trying to kill a penalty last night. Like it's getting to Dave Lewis proportions as far as the too many men in the ice penalties – And no more excuses. Like if it happens once in a while, you say, oh, like it was a bad break. Maybe, you know, somebody threw the puck towards the bench. It was a circumstance uh, where they, you know, they got called for it. No, that's not what's happening here. You consistently have players that are leaving too early. That one last night during the penalty kill, it looked like a fire drill where there was all kinds of people going on and off the bench. It was complete chaos. That's happened too many times. It's inexcusable for you to have two power plays in a season where they get wiped out by too many men in the ice penalties. And that has happened to them this year. Um, You know, I I think there are a lot of strengths that Jim Montgomery has as a coach. I I respect the job that he does. I think he's gotten them to play hard. I think he's a great offensive mind. Um, but he and the rest of the coaches on that bench have to get control of that situation because it's making them look bad when they continually get this too many men in the ice penalties. And honestly, it's going to turn into, I think a a situation where, you know, we, people are going to, you know, his job could be in jeopardy at some point, if this keeps happening, you know, like it's, that is not a good look for a coaching staff to continue to have that happen over and over again, especially in the key situations. And if it's happening now during the regular season, you can bet your damn ass it's going to happen in the playoffs at the worst possible time, unless they can get it handled out and straightened. And, you know, the, the one in overtime the other night, I kind of blame Jake Debrusque for that because it looked like yeah. he hopped off really early. And a lot of it is on the players too, but it's on the coaches to get the players to be more disciplined to not do that. Uh, you know, and to, to have their, uh, their head in the game and to make sure they're, they're reading the play correctly. Like th- those guys should know what they're doing at this point and know when they're going to get called for too many men, men on, on the ice.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and it is something that it's, it's a bad look for everyone involved, and it's it kind of goes back to what we've said about just the way they're you know letting these kind of leads slip away. It's all attention to detail, and you're not getting really any of it in so many different areas of the game. That all right, it, it's one thing to you know sending passes into no man's land or or missing you know losing face offs, what have you, but when you're also like the the coaching staff isn't keeping tabs on who's coming off and on the ice, you know, who's giving up these critical chances. You already got a power play that's operating at what, like 10% since the all-star break. Like now shouldn't be the time to be squandering more of those off of, you know, self-inflicted miscues like that, that you're right. Like as good of a job as Montgomery and his coaching staff have done, like you're in a spot where you look at the way they're playing right now, the way they're letting these points slip away that, if you hit another point where you get into the playoffs and you get bounced in the first round, it's the same thing over and over again. Like, I don't know if we're talking about hot seat or anything like that, but like, it is something that if you're Don Sweeney and Kim Nilly looking at this team, you're like, all right, there's evident flaws that aren't being corrected right now. Like this yep. is something that you have to keep tabs on moving forward. And it's so kind of tough to to gauge this kind of year. Like I was talking to to Ty Anderson about it. It's like this whole season, I feel like is a collective, yeah. It's like they it's, they start they started off from, season. It, yeah, it it's absolutely a transition is. Season. But like you look at just where they were at the start of the year um the expectations that, you know, I think still are high for this team and when you're seeing so many of these games get you know negated off of self-inflicted issues or or lapses in execution like that, it's not a good look.
0: Yeah. And it's it's that's got nothing to do with like young players either though. We're not no. talking about the young players making the mistakes here and the growing pains that you're going to have with guys like Mason Lowry in there or Potcher earlier in the year or Beecher right. when he was in there or even the the young veteran guys that they've brought up uh, from Providence that have played really well, you know, the Weatherspoons, the Anthony Richards, the Boquist guys like that. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking no. about some of Boston's best players making these mistakes. And we're talking about things that should not happen at the NHL level. So you don't get a mulligan for like a shoulder shrug. I don't know what we're going to get out of this season for those kind of mistakes. No, that's a different level of lack of focus, lack of preparation, lack of execution, you know, lack of things that you have to have at the NHL level in order to have success. And like I said, I think when you're watching a team during the regular season, especially a playoff caliber team like this. You're getting a window into what you're going to see in the playoffs in these moments in third periods against good teams. You're getting a window into what we're going to see that is going to unravel in the postseason if it's not corrected now, addressed and fixed. Some of it, I think, can be fixed. Like certainly the too many men on the ice thing can be fixed. There's no question about that. Um, I think the goaltending thing can be fixed because I think they can, you know, probably go with Jeremy Swayman to start. He's he's had less issues. Uh, I think postseason, regular season, whatever, as far as that you know, self-inflicted mistakes or those so, sort of crazy frenetic things uh, where where a goalie's taking himself out of the play. Um, so like those kind of things can be fixed. I think the special teams can be tightened up, but like the face-off thing, I don't know that that can be fixed. I don't know if that's something that's going to overnight change. Um, you know, the lack of physicality around the net at times when another team really makes a push at you. Um, yes, they're missing Hampus Lindholm right now, but you know, they, they don't have enough, I think, um, players that are, you know, able to stand their ground and and really intimidate around the net and and make it a really unpleasant place to be consistent enough. I think there are too many defensemen on that team right now that are a little bit of a liability in the defensive zone that that's going to be a problem in the playoffs. And then we haven't even gotten to this yet. Um, Derek Forbort uh, not playing last night because he missed a team meeting uh in Seattle before the game shades of uh Tyler Sagan in 2000 uh 2011 in in Winnipeg I, re- I remember that night very well I was there right. with the Jets when that happened I said his, he they blamed his phone uh, not waking him up because it was in a different time zone which was a completely cockamamie excuse yes um but like this is another sign of like what's going on right now with the Bruins like you know what is happening beside, behind the scenes that uh, uh, you know, a defenseman misses a meeting and gets suspended for a game for disciplinary reasons, along with everything else that's going on. Like, none of this is a good look right now.
1: No, absolutely, and especially look at the way this team is playing and the fact that you have so much going wrong that you desperately need, like, what do we say, like over like the this you know seven game homestand they had where they had kind of the same kind of result. It's like this team needs to go on the road, needs to get themselves right, you know, refocus did that really happen? Instead, you went out on the road, you had Derek Ford missing a meeting, you had the same issues with failing to protect third-period leads, you had too many men calls, all, all these things. It feels like it's just a continuation that like you almost need like a, a clean slate or what they really need. They need another a holiday break or something like that. That's the <laughs> yeah. one thing that, that saved them before. That yeah. They're not the getting point. one now,
0: though. They're yeah, out of they,
1: those. They're in the thick of it now. So it's like, all right, well, what really do you, do you have? Because like the schedule's only going to get more hectic. Like, we see this every year where the calendar flips to March, and it feels like they're playing every other day. Yep. Like they're playing, like, back-to-backs every week when you look at just how much the schedule ramps up here. It's like, alright, it's it, sooner or later, it has to fall on the, either the players or maybe management to do like a hockey trade shakeup sort of situation here, because otherwise I don't really see... It feels like there's just a malaise around the team right now and really don't know how exactly you're, you're waking it up. So, who knows? It, it could very well be that they move a, a couple of players out of the deadline we'll see what happens but there has to be something done because right now just the product on the ice I don't see how it's drastically changing between now and March or even once we get to the playoffs
0: no it's it's concern time when it's the same mistakes over and over again and they're not correct right. and I think that's what we're starting to see right now and like the only thing that's really left on the schedule um the NHL wise that's going to Change energy, create a different kind of energy. Is the trade deadline, and you referenced it, and I, I do think, and I've thought all year, had a sneaking suspicion, and they have to like if they're going to make a big move, they have to clear cap space in order to make that happen. So I think they're going to have to move out a veteran or two, an established player or two, uh, in order to make something happen where you're bringing in another player of any significance. So uh, I, I do think it it feels like it's called for a little bit here, like there needs to be a little bit of a change to this team's DNA. Um, based on what we've seen all season. I just don't think there's going to be a huge change in the playoffs from some of the problems that we've seen right now. And we've seen consistently. Um, and, you know, maybe it's Matt Grizzlick. I, I think, I think he, he, I don't know what his value is going to be right now though. That's the yeah. problem is he has not played well. Uh, he was a minus two again last night. Um, maybe there's a team out there that wants a puck mover and and will accept him. Uh, but, you know, I think DeBrusque is obviously the much more attractive option from a trade perspective, but you know, you you hear whispers that the Bruins want to sign him. Um, that's great. I, I don't know. I still not sure if that's the best move. I, I given the um, the term, the amount of money that he's going to cost, you know, what you're going to have to sink into a player that's very, very boom or bust as far mm-hmm. as, the, as the production goes. I don't know if investing in him over a long period of time uh, is the wisest thing to do, especially if you could get value for him in a trade and bring in another, you know, piece that's going to address uh, a need. So I I do think that's probably the best thing they can do is, is alter the DNA of this team and, and change it with a big move at the deadline, but that's a big risk too. Like that's not really what Don Sweeney has done in the past is, is, trade out significant pieces mid season and really like alter things. He's brought in pieces quite a bit over the last few years to add to what he already had, but this is kind of new territory as far as making hockey trades or thinking about making hockey trades that are going to shake up your room and change it. You know, some could make the argument that uh, things were better last year before the trade deadline and they brought in all these new players and it altered the chemistry of the team And maybe that was part of the problem that they had uh, once the playoffs started. Like, you're going to make that same sort of experiment, uh, science experiment now with the chemistry in that room uh, if you do make hockey trades like that. But, you know, as we've said, maybe what you're seeing on the ice is saying maybe that's not such a bad thing to alter the chemistry.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And it's something, too, where it's so tough to just gauge what, what exactly the Bruins you know, capabilities are when you get to the deadline. Because as you said, like Grizzly's a guy that if it was a year ago, you probably could get like a, not a first, but a, a, a solid couple of maybe draft picks back for a guy that you look at the the fancy stats, people love them there. You look at just as a puck mover, someone could use them this year. Not the case. Also an expiring contract. Um, and I think it's tougher now when you're looking at like just freeing up cast face where you only have, what is it? 60,000, I think is what Cap Friendly has the Bruins at. It's yep. so not like I think a team's also gonna willingly take maybe a diminished asset like Grizzly and take on a three million dollar cap hit. Like it's all well and good that this upcoming offseason, the cap's gonna jump up quite a bit. Everyone's still kind of in that no man, that 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 tight kind of cap space situation right now that I don't think teams are unless it's a bottom feeding team, yep. um, that's necessarily gonna take on even a two million, three million dollar cap hit right now. So if you're the Bruins, yeah, if you're trying to really shake things up. Or get a, a strong asset back, it's going to have to be a uh an impact player, most likely. It's gonna have to be a Debrusque. It's gonna have to be, you know, people keep on mentioning hallmark as a possible guy there, which would be really shaking things up, obviously. But um this market just the way it's set up, plus where the Bruins don't have any cap spaces, like they're not in a position just to sell off marginal pieces because I don't just I can't think of how many teams are gonna just willingly take a Grizzly or a floorboard right now. Just, the market's not set up that way, and it's not really yep. set up to bail the Bruins out in any regard. So,
0: yeah, and they don't have the draft picks to make sweeteners uh, that no. you typically have to throw in as well in order to get another team to take your contract. If that's you know the road they were thinking of going down, where you know they they have to make a flurry of trades to clear cap space, not necessarily the same trade you trade with a third you know another team uh to get them to take on your player but like you, they don't have the first and second round picks to really make that happen either so it is it is a really difficult sort of corner that they've painted themselves into just with their situation this season um that yes it will get eased in the summertime when the season's over and that, you know they're going to be have a lot of money to make a lot of different moves and the flexibility is going to be great um i, I think it's going to be a much easier job then and and they're going to have a chance to make significant impacts then. And that's kind of why I still view this as a transition too. I think they need, just need to get through this year. Right. Once they get through it, they, they will have, you know, a lot to play with and a lot of different possibilities uh, this summer and beyond, but, You know, the the temptation for now becomes it's a wide open Eastern Conference. You've had a pretty good regular season. Like the elements are there where if like you get a hot goalie or if things go right for you or you catch fire in the playoffs, maybe you could win a few rounds. But I I still think we're seeing problem areas that uh, are concerns that I, I don't know that they have the wherewithal to address at the trade deadline. But that's really the only natural place left on the schedule where they can get a different kind of energy going with this team. Uh, from what they have right now. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready to eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a a quick meal. Uh, They fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, They have calorie conscious options. Going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf surf and surf meal options roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and cajun spiced shrimp and salmon which is like right in my wheelhouse this is the kind of stuff i'm all about so it's got everything for everybody uh there's 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options for meals uh you can get snacks you can get breakfast items like it's 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 a great deal um so if you want to get factor meals uh, go to Factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use the code HAGS50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I- I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's Factormeals.com slash HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to factor Meals. It gets the HAGS thumbs up seal of approval. ridiculous goalie interference call last night uh i did want to talk about this one a little bit uh morgan geeky probably would have had the game-winning goal last night it gets wiped off the board um because of a goalie interference call uh where he went in put a shot on net kind of went to his knees as he was putting the shot on net. grubauer makes the save uh, or bounces off him it pops back out and and uh geeky scores the goal as he's sliding into grubauer to me in the hockey world this is a continuation play of you put a shot on net you're crashing the net it's two guys battling for a puck geeky won, he scores like i he already made the initial save grubauer did so at that point i think it's game on and it's just a fight for the puck between geeky the goalie and the defenseman if they can get in there and clear the puck and traditionally this is the way it's always been I do not like the NHL reaching in, interpreting that as goalie interference and starting to get into a whole different level of being able to take goals away that should be good goals and have always been good goals. And and I found that call really problematic last night where it could set a precedent of taking a lot of goals away that should not, that should still be goals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, Joe, you know how great uh, that game seven against the Canucks would have been in 2011 if Bergeron had that shorthanded goal where he slid into Luongo and then we had a, an 11-minute review afterwards. That's a great call. Yeah, you know, that, that would have been a lot of fun, right? That would have made for a really good theater for hockey's highest stage. I yes. mean, as you said, yeah, the the, the fact that they're going to call that goaltender interference when it seems like it's a basic continuation play, as you said, it gets to a point where when you're in the blue paint, when you're in the crease, you're fighting for the puck. I think you have to let hockey play itself out as we've seen it yes. for Years and years and years, right? Like, and it's something too where beyond just the the goaltender interference call, which I think we both agree with, can we stop where uh, you have five six minutes to review something? If it's going to take you five six minutes, Let to go the play on the, the ice, stand. To, to the ice the, stand to go through the to go through the Zebruder film yes. of trying to find the 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 one frame where it shows Grubauer getting knocked off off uh, his skates or what have you. Do, don't go digging for something just because there's a review and there's a, a power play potentially up yep. at stake for the team doing it. They're making a calculated risk by doing it. If you have to comb through every single frame just to validate their gamble of rolling the dice with that challenge, like what, like what are we doing here? And it makes for a crappy product for people in the stands. People are people are already probably leaving that game mad. They yep. threw their hats on the ice for the not goal. You have that. They're waiting 11 minutes for a goaltender appearance review. It just the product, though, it just makes the product bad and it hurts. Just the what I think people love about hockey is the physicality, the bang bang nature of it. Yeah. If you're going to take away those kind of plays, like what are we doing here?
0: I agree. And it's not just a hockey thing, right? This is a problem in the NFL. This is a problem in the NBA. This is a problem in Major League Baseball where the technology and the replays and the delays therein with all of those, like the basketball one to me is the worst. Cause the, the last few minutes of a game turn into, it takes a half an hour to play because there's constantly like challenges. There's this, there's that there, you know, like all of that. I, I can't even watch it because sometimes cause it takes so long, but I, I do think it, it's reasonable to say, let's put a two minute clock up on the situation room where they've got to make a call within a couple of minutes and, And if they can't come to a determination in a couple of minutes, the call in the ice stands and that's it. Like you you shouldn't be able to pick it apart for 10 minutes to try to find something, because if you're looking that hard and you can't figure out what's going on and you have to have discussions by like Grand Poobahs in the NHL back in Toronto, like forget it. Just let it count. You should err on the side, I think, anyway, of letting goals count. I I think they should not be in the business of taking good goals and subtracting them. I feel the same way about uh, the offsides plays, where it's 45 seconds before the goal gets scored, and they go back and review it, and it has nothing to do with the scoring play. Like, I hate those two. So there's several instances where I think they could clean it up a little bit and make it much less intrusive, the technology and the replays and the challenges. Um, but they don't. And I, they continue to go down the road of going the other direction where it's just more interference, changing the game. Like, I, I, please don't ever let the NHL turn into the NFL where you don't know what a friggin' catch is anymore. And you don't understand, like, you know, when somebody's caught it, what's a fumble, what's a football move, like all that. Right. I don't care about any of that. I hate that stuff when it turns into that, there are so many catches that look like they should be catches. They were catches when you and I were kids and no longer it's a catch. It turns into an incompletion now uh, because you didn't make three steps and then like do a, a juke move down the sidelines. I, I hate all that. So I, I hope this doesn't open the door for that uh, stuff to start happening, but I, I liked your, uh, I liked your reference to the Patrice Bergeron. I didn't even think of that in the game seven. Cause you're right. It was pretty a similar. play. Absolutely. Um, all right. Tweet of the week. Steelman, and this is more, less a question and more like a general heat check for the Bruins fans right now. Tweet of the week from Steelman58, this team is terrible, not going to work out in playoffs, they are very fragile. I mean, like, that's the pulse of the fans right now, I think.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, again, it's one of those things where I think what you see is what you get right now with this team in transition, but it's almost like that... Them starting the year so strong changed the perception. Where I think going into the, into yeah. the year, people were like, "I don't think people thought they were going to miss the playoffs, but they were going to be in the mix. Maybe they're a wildcat team. Maybe they're the third third team in the Atlantic, what have you." It's gonna again younger players step in. We got Patra. We'll we'll see what happens. And then they start off so hot, you're like, "All right, hell, this team might be able to go on a run here." That yep. now when they're kind of crashing back to earth, it, it's almost sobering to see where they are. Um. I don't, and it's so tough to, again, read where exactly this team is going to be in April. Like, I think you look the writings on the wall that you look at these third period woes, you look at the fact that, you know, they have good personnel and, you know, on their defense, they're still way too soft around the net front, getting up way too many high danger looks. Yeah, All these things that aren't conducive to a, a team going far. It's almost like maybe like Bruins fans should go in with like diminished expectations and maybe just see what happens because hell, like, Joe, would it surprise you if this team just wins a round or two off of just a goalie getting hot? Or, no. again, if DeBrusque or Frederick or JVR goes on a heater and you got the usual stuff are contributing, hell. I mean, look at, like, look at Florida or, or last Pasta. year. Or like, Yeah, exactly.
0: I think have, like, a superstar uh, playoff moment where he just takes over a series and goes nuts and scores a ton of goals. So. Yeah. Like, something like that could absolutely happen, too. And I I don't have a hard time seeing it. I think that could happen. But I also think I could very easily see a a repeat of last year against Florida happening to them right off the bat in the first round against another team, too, where another team just punches them in the face, uh, swarms them on the forecheck, and attacks them and really throws everything they have at them in the third period and watches them crumble. The, The one thing in that tweet that I thought was a very apropos word was fragile. I think there's a very fragile confidence right now with this team in third periods when they have leads. I, I think it is very, very much di- diminished. I think they're waiting for bad things to happen. I think they're trying to kill out the clock, to run out the clock in these third periods when they have leads. And that's a horrible way to play. Um, you know, I, I I just see a lot of instances right now where they do not have the confidence to close out games and they do not have the killer instinct to close out these games. And that's that's troubling at this time of year, this late in the season for them to feel that way and them to convey that. And I I go back to and a lot of people had took issue me, with me when I mentioned this, that game against Dallas, um, the last game on the homestand. I think it was like 10 seconds to go and they had the puck and uh, Charlie McAvoy had the puck in the zone. It like there was 10 seconds left on the clock. He just ate it and started skating around in circles with 10 seconds left to go. It's like, mm. all right, we're just going to take the point. Hope nothing bad happens here. That is a mentality thing. A lot of people were like, Oh, but you're going to go by the percentages. They, you know, NHL teams do that. You should just swallow it and get the point. That's what you do during the regular season. That's smart. No, that's a mentality. That's them mm. saying something bad is going to happen if I try to go make a play to win this game. So I'm just going to sit here and skate in circles for 10 seconds and let the clock run out, take the point and go to overtime especially when it's one of the best players and he's got the the puck on his stick. I think that's a mentality thing. I think that's a lack of confidence. I think that's a team that's had too many bad things happen to them in the third period. And the fact that that's in their head, I think is a super bad thing. I just don't like any of that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, it just goes back to when you get to these critical situations, like what's exactly going to happen. Like even we look at, you know, who they could draw and that also could impact just how far this team goes. Like if they're drawing, a team like Tampa Bay that you know knows how to win can be physical, uh, you know Florida, what have you? A team that's given them problems in the past. Yeah, they're they're in a they're gonna have a, a tough matchup there. But even like look at like let's say they finish with the two c and they play Toronto, you think automatically like all right, like that team's not really. I probably there's probably a lot of Maple Leafs fans sitting off you know tweets to podcasts being like ah oh, this team is fragile as well. But that being said, you look at uh, how how high powered that team is, like, and you yep. look at um, the Bruins' track record in these third periods. That's a team that can bury you in a hurry if you give them, you know, one soft goal, one untimely save, one missed D zone draw, and all of a sudden Austin Matthews just rifling it into the net. Like, when you have that mentality of just treading water, it doesn't matter whether it's a physical team that can put you into the boards, like Kachuk and Sam Bennett with Florida, or a team that's more finesse like toronto it like, doesn't matter like the the parity is so deep in this league and there's so much talent across the board that if you're gonna play with that mentality it doesn't matter who it is you're gonna get friggin' burned especially when you get in the playoffs
0: yeah and it also could be the uh tyler bertuzzi revenge series let's not forget could about be. that yes. that was set up to to have that happen to them in a big way um connor ryan thank you very much for joining us let's thank our sponsors real quick uh fan Sportsbook. in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players or teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and so many more things. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. Connor Ryan, thank you very much for joining us and, and tearing apart the Bruins.
1: Of course. Happy to help
0: yes let's keep kicking that dead horse while it's down a little bit more uh thank you everybody but for listening it's not dead yet but it looks like it, it's sort of dying here and the, the the waning points of the season uh thank you everybody for listening we'll see you at the ring